0: It's Fire Away Friday Friday. on Exploring the Word. This
1: is your chance to ask us your Bible question. You can email your question at word at AFR.net or visit Facebook.com slash Exploring the Word.
0: It's Fire Away Friday on American Family Radio. When it's Fire Away Friday, we get to hear your questions. Many times they come from the phone, but sometimes they come to word at AFR.net or on our Facebook uh, page at at, um, Exploring the Word. And sometimes they're personal questions that people come and ask us uh, at a conference and uh, sometimes they email. So all these questions come in, and this is one of those uh, Fridays when we've taken questions from Word. And you and I both talked about questions. Yes, we enjoy uh, answering questions about things that people have thought about but those questions that really help people in their Christian walk are the ones that motivate us, isn't it?
1: It is. And, you know, we, we get a lot of questions people ask. Um, you know, how do, how do Christians know that their view of God is right? People ask me, is the Bible still applicable today? Is, is the Bible still relevant in the 21st century? People ask me questions like, uh, how do I know that God is really hearing my prayers? People ask me about prodigal children. You know, I've been praying for X number of years, and my child still is away from God. Is is God ever going to bring this person back? So, you know, it's just natural for the human heart to have questions. But I want to tell you something. God in His mercy, and God in His wisdom, and God in His power, mercy, wisdom, and power, God has told us so much in His Word and not only told us things in His Word, but shown us things in our life. And, you know, sometimes the answers to our questions are overt and explicit. Um, Can we know that Jesus rose from the dead? Absolutely. And then, even when the answers are a little elusive, Bert, don't you think that as we seek after an answer, ultimately we find ourselves seeking after the Lord? And even when the answers uh, take a long time to come to us, that's really an opportunity to to grow, to worship, to wait, and to learn more about our relationship to the Lord. Well said,
0: brother. And that reminds me of that song, when questions are not enough, there's Jesus. When answers are not enough, there's Jesus. It is the ultimate goal to know Him. I don't know about you, Alec, but one of the maturity areas of my life has been learning to live with questions that I haven't gotten the answers yet. Now, will I get it in this lifetime? Some I have, some I have not. There's that old song again, I'll understand it better by and by. There's a lot of truth in that, brother. Oh, man. Because we get to know him. That's the ultimate goal, is not necessarily the answers to your questions, but knowing him. And that's what we want to do on Exploring the Word. We want to know him and the reality of his power and the fellowship of his suffering. You you need to have both of those. Alex, there's some people want to concentrate just on his power, but if you miss out on the fellowship of his suffering, uh, you're missing out on the intimate part of God that is so critical in understanding life and being able to live. So let's dig in and uh, we pray that our answers would be helpful. And our goal, uh, we Alex and I have one goal, to make Jesus known and to be biblically accurate with our answers. That's our goal, brother. We're not trying to paint a pretty picture that sometimes it's not, or we're not trying to say things that, oh, it'll get better and better. But Alex, we're trying to help let the People know that the Father loves them, and He does and can use them, can He?
1: Well, amen. And and let me just say this. You know, the Bible says, uh, Solomon said, of the making of books, there's no end. Seems to be true. There's some <laughs> I, I read that like 80,000 books are printed every year, released in the mm. English-speaking world, 80,000 books a year. And it seems like of the asking of questions, there's no end. I've got quite a few questions that have come from listeners. And by the way, folks, if you ever want to send in a question, which may become the subject for a future show, you can reach. Us, and we'd love to hear from you, and, but word, W-O-R-D, word at A-F-R dot net, as in American Family, radio dot net, and you can submit a question, and a lot of these have come from that very source. But Second Peter 1, 16 through 21, I love it, uh, and we'll briefly just allude to it, but it says, uh, "...for we have not followed cleverly devised fables." "...when we made known unto you the the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of His majesty." And it goes on there, and it talks about uh, Jesus who came, and they saw Him, and they heard Him, and He literally lived and literally rose from the dead. And then it says we also have another very sure word of prophecy, the Bible. So uh, when we're talking about the questions and the answers, this is not just pie in the sky. I mean, this is reality. God and truth, and how you can know the Lord, this is rock solid, tangible reality. And yes, we believe by faith, and the word faith really means trust. But, Bert, uh, I'll put it this way. Somebody asked me, I was on the road speaking, and they said, um, how can you Christians, you know, you do things on faith, and and I believe in science, I don't do things on faith. And I said, well, let's define faith, because faith really means justified true belief. And he said, well, what does that mean? Well, justified true belief results in in an action or a response. I said um, to the audience, this was during an open Q&A down in Florida, just i don't know five weeks ago i said okay let's do a show of hands how many have ever eaten in a restaurant okay one two three everybody okay (laughs) did you go in the kitchen and look at every expiration date on all the food in the pantry did you interview the chef um has the cook been to culinary school or is this you know a terrorist gonna poison you with anthrax no you just you knew the restaurant you had eaten there before Uh, To your knowledge, they'd never been sued for food poisoning or salmonella. You just took it on faith. Uh, You didn't interview the waitress or the waiter, the server. You you made a justified, reasoned, proportioned decision in light of the evidence you had, and it turned out you had a good meal, and it was justified. If you've ever ridden on an airplane, you didn't interview all the mechanics, you didn't interview the pilot, you just, in faith— and so when we come to Jesus, yes, it is faith or belief, but in light of all of the creation, creator, moral law, moral law giver, scripture, fulfill prophecy, Jesus, the empty tomb, when you look at what's called the preponderance of evidence, uh, I would say not only is faith absolutely justified, but obstinate, willful unbelief of lo- in light of all the evidence is what's unjustified.
0: Amen, brother. Great. I don't mean that, but great answer. And and that's where we're coming from. We're coming from that position of knowing him and the evidence, uh, the historical record, uh, the imperial evidence that we have. All those things demonstrate that Jesus really did live. He really did die, and he really did rise from the grave. Alex, that's the confidence we come with. And uh, you you back that up with creation and design. You back that out with continuation of of life. Uh, I I would even say that the Bible being burned and being banned and it still is strong and accurate, I would say that would be evidence as well. So our evidence is strong. And so – and that's where Alex and I are going to do our best to – We really don't have a lot of answers apart from the scriptures, Alex. Uh,
1: Well, do you know what, Bert? I would say, and and one of the most brilliant minds in the world, a Christian man at Boston College, head of the philosophy department at one time, maybe he still is, but Peter Kreeft, K-R-E-E-F-T, and I would urge you to check out his books. He's an apologist, a defender of the faith, and we've had him speak in our conferences a couple of times, and... You know, he's, he's uh, getting a little advanced in years, but b- brilliant. Oh, my goodness, this guy is so brilliant. But Peter Kreeft, um, when he was searching out Christianity, and he, he became a born-again believer as a young adult, um, he said, look, apart from the Bible, we don't have answers. He said, really, apart from Christianity and the life of Jesus, he said, history really doesn't even make sense. He he said if if Christianity wasn't true, if Jesus wasn't God's revelation to the world, and if, if Jesus isn't the Savior and history is going going to culminate in Christ's return, he said, apart from Christianity, history itself really doesn't make any sense. And Bert, I, I think that's true. It is his story,
0: and uh Amen. So let's let's dig in. We got time for in the first segment for a question. So uh, let's get started on that first question, Alex. Yes, sir. Go
1: right ahead. Okay. All right. This person asked me, and this is a little bit of a general question, how can you believe in the Bible when evolution has been proven true? Well, the fallacy, uh, I, I just got to come in and I'll hand it back
0: to you the fallacies in the question.
1: <laughs> Proven. Uh, uh, thank you. Proven. Because, do you know what <laughs> I was going to say that sometimes part of our job is, is is sort of um sharpening and helping frame up the question.
0: Yeah, it is and I I don't mean I I don't mean to laugh but it is true. Questions like that are are questions that you have to clarify the question before you can answer the question,
1: don't you? Well, you really do. And and for let's let's help clarify this question in a couple of ways. For one thing, there is the theory of evolution. Evolution is a theory about the origin of the universe and the origin of the human race. Now, shortly after Darwin published, you know, On the Origin of Species, The Descent of Man in 1859, suddenly You know, by the end of the 19th century, they began to try to look at all academic disciplines in light of evolution. They said, well, you know, if physical life evolved, maybe culture evolved and maybe religion evolved. And so um, most people listening to this show, if you went to public school in the 20th century, and I know I did in the 70s and 80s, um, secular education was radically reinterpreted in light of Darwinian evolution. So, we have to remember that evolution is a theory, not a proven observable fact. Now, there have been a lot of inferences. They would measure the beaks on birds, and they would look at the coloring of moths, and they would extrapolate. Now, you know, to extrapolate something is to look at something and... and Sometimes there's a fallacy called hasty generalization. Let me give you an example. Let's say a preacher goes bad and it's in the news and then you you hear of two preachers gone bad and you generalize, you say, well, all preachers must be bad. That's not necessarily true. And you can't extrapolate based on what's called anecdotal evidence. Um, are there birds with different sizes of beaks? Yes, but they're still birds. Do moths? Um, A moth can spend, you know, time, uh, let's say there's a colony of moths up against a dusty gray concrete building, and the moths appear to be dusty and gray, and then moths congregate around a tree, and they begin to look brown or green. Well, a lot of evolutionists would look at um, what, what are called, you know, variations of traits, not species, but traits, and they would extrapolate. So um, I would say evolution, not only has it not been proven true, it certainly hasn't disproven the Bible.
0: We're going to answer some more questions. We're even going to come back to Darwinian evolution when we come back and say a few more things about it and what's wrong with it and why it's really ruining so much of the world. This is Exploring the Word on Fireway Friday. Bertie and Alex with you, and we'll be back right after the break.
1: Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. Let me go down, down, down in history As another blood-bought faithful member of the family And if they all forget my name, well, that's fine with me I'm living for the world to see nobody but you Welcome back to Exploring the Word, Alex McFarland with Bert Harper. You're listening to the American Family Radio Network, which is, uh, we're very honored to be doing what we do, and we appreciate all the prayers and support for the people who follow the great ministries of the American Family Association, and we had a question here, we're going over uh, listener questions. Um, How can we believe in Christianity when evolution has proven the Bible to be false? Uh, And so Bert and I were sort of unpacking the question and really reacting to the question. For one, evolution is a theory about origins. But Bert, let me say this, and and I want your response. Uh, I I personally, I categorically reject belief in evolution. Uh, I do not think there's evidence for it. I I do not think that evolution is true in any sense. And in fact, um, on the road traveling in more than 2,200 churches and 200 universities, I've had so many medical doctors, uh, professors, different people come up, and they'll, they'll say they don't believe in evolution because the complexity of DNA and chemistry and biology, um, it's, it's never been observed. Uh, it's only been inferred and extrapolated, uh, but there's no evidence, physical, observable, repeatable evidence. And many, many, many people in the hard sciences... Are rejecting evolution in mass, but but here's what I want to say, and I want your response, Bert. Even if evolution were true as to where the universe came from, which I don't think it is, but what I do when I'm witnessing to people, I try to focus on Jesus and the empty tomb, because here's the thing: you can go to heaven and be wrong about the origin of the earth, but you can't go to heaven and be wrong about Jesus. Mm. Amen, Alex. And, and hey, is what we believe about creation important? Absolutely. For one thing, because if evolution were true, uh, I, I know a lot of people, they, they want to believe in evolution and believe in Christ and his resurrection. And there are people that do. I, I think you've got to—people maybe are unaware of the incompatibility of this— uh, because here's the thing, if evolution were true, there was death before the fall of man. And, and anyway, many evolutionists don't even believe in sin or the fall. So um, there, there are a number of, of very grave problems that arise if you assume evolution is true. But the point is this, um, the main thing that we want people to be right and correct on is the Son of God his atonement on the cross, and his resurrection from the grave. I mean, that's the most important thing. Um, so you, you could believe in, theoretically, and I, I've known people that did, that they, they had a relationship with Jesus, but in the back of their mind they assumed life came from evolution. Um, I, I, why not go and have a fully-orbed biblical worldview? And if you believe God on salvation, also believe God on creation.
0: Adrian Rogers said, if you can't believe uh, where we came from, how can you believe where we're going? Uh, you know, talking about heaven and there's so much truth in that, but let me say one thing about Darwinian thought. It's a philosophy, not a science. Uh, the reason it was so well accepted was there was those people looking for anything besides God, uh, and, and I I would say that's been true in every generation. Uh, it's according to how many people, and yes, the I would say always it also had to do with the society in which you were born, but Dar- Darwin came along with that, and there were those that jumped on it because, okay, we have an answer for life without God, and they jumped on it because if God is the creator, He is the designer, which He is, then there's the accountability factor. The accountability factor is very high and very big, and, and they desire to do that, and they got it accepted into the educational system. John Dewey, uh, a socialist... And, or, uh, and
1: hated God. Hated actually.
0: God. Uh, he readily received it, and then it was spread into the educational system here in America, and so therefore you have... Uh, Christians who have gone to uh, schools where they and I'm not just saying public schools private schools as well that has taught evolution and so they've they're in this binary they're they're in this situation bound okay I believe I know Jesus Christ is Savior I know his Lord he changed my life but they have been taught and they have been uh, in uh, ingrained in their mind evolution. So there's that battle going on in people's life. But if you can yes. understand that it's a philosophy and not a science, and so yeah. that question was when science uh, has proven it to be true, listen, there's, I, I think Darwin said he was miss, uh, a missing link. There's so many missing links in evolution that it's not even connected in the chains <laughs> well,
1: and I, I know we're spending a, a little bit of a long time on this question about evolution. Let, let me say two things that evolution has no answer for. And, and this, this alone really could end the discussion. The origin of consciousness and the origin of information. Um, even if life did evolve... And there was Darwin's. Darwin called it a warm little pond, quote unquote, the primordial soup. There's this swamp somewhere, and life arose out of this swamp. Uh, Never mind. We don't know how the swamp got there, but anyway, how did mud develop consciousness? You know what? What is the uh, evolution has no answer for the origin of consciousness because do you know um, even your your brain tissue is different than the, the thoughts happening in there. So evolution has no answer for that. The other thing, Bert, is the origin of information. What we know that Darwin couldn't have known is DNA. And, you know, one human being, Devin Patrick, who's our engineer recording this, and his his height, his hair color, eye color, you know, all of his attributes are in this software called DNA, written by God, I believe. But there are between 30 to 100 trillion, T, trillion copies of every person's DNA. And uh, DNA is always getting replicated. Now, here's the thing, Bert. You you know that serial alphabets? Yes. Okay, serial, it's alphabet letters. If you pour that box out on the floor and all those serial alphabet letters spill out onto the floor, uh, you're probably not going to have the preamble to the Constitution. You're, you're probably not going to have a meaningful sentence. So let me ask you this. If you pour out a box of alphabet cereal a dozen times, do you think you're going to get a sentence?
0: No, never and no what, way.
1: What if I pour out the box of alphabets a million times? See, here's the thing. Um, you don't get information from disorder. You could pour out the box of alphabet cereal uh, t- 25 billion times, and you're never going to get, you know, um, a three-word sentence, God loves you. That's a simple three-word sentence of ten letters. God loves you. And yet, you could pour out, you know, the alphabets an infinite number of times. Well, a hundred trillion copies of DNA. Think about it. The billions of people made of Information. And we haven't even talked about plants or or animals. So, Bert, it takes an immeasurably high level of faith. I would say, really, not faith, but delusion to assume that this complicated, well-ordered, well-functioning world came about by random accident. It's impossible.
0: I hope this is equipping you to encourage you to believe the Bible. And as Alex said, you can believe the Bible concerning creation, but more importantly, and I'll use that word more importantly, you, you need to believe it concerning Jesus Christ and his redemption for your soul, that he would come as God's perfect son, live a perfect life, and become the perfect sacrifice that was needed in order to balance God's holiness and God's love, the only way, the only way God's mercy and love. His attribute is love, and it's demonstrated through mercy and grace, and he gives that to you. He's also holy. That means he cannot receive sin into his presence as dwelling. And, and so Jesus became that sacrifice that was needed, and through him and him alone is there salvation. There's no other name given among men whereby we must be saved God doesn't have a plan B. God doesn't have an alternate route. It is only through Christ. And if you're looking for that and you're desiring that, there's a number you can call. And and these people are there. We partner with them. It's 888-NEED-HIM. 888-NEED-HIM. They're ready to talk with you. They'll help you to come to an understanding of your need for Christ and how you can know him. Alex? Amen. Amen. Uh, listen creation the fall and redemption that's the bible really it is it It is is. that is the bible creation fall redemption now what happened the creation and fall didn't take very much room up in the scriptures but the redemption of mankind wow it continues today doesn't it not the message but the but the reality of redemption is real even today in 2019
1: yeah and you know, listen, I believe in education. Don't get me wrong. I believe in education. And, friend, be a lifelong learner, whether you're in school in pursuit of a degree or you're just being a, a, a self-learner and reading, read, uh, learn. But but I want to say this, and I hesitate to say it, but anyway, some people are too smart for their own good. <laughs> and, and you know what? Um, it's been my privilege, I'm thinking right now, of a dear listener named Dr. Neil Campbell. He's in Texas, and he's brilliant, and he's a he's a surgeon in Texas, and he's a devout Christian, and he listens to our show. And he talked about, even though um, with all of his science and medical training, he, he told me, he said, you've, you've got to, in some ways, be humble enough to realize how much you don't know. Mm. And here's maybe one of the most brilliant people I know, and yet he said you know, it was the it was the intricacy of the human body that led him to believe that there had to be a creator, and later he became a believer. But he said, you know, you have to be humble enough to admit what you don't know. Yeah. And I think there are going to be a lot of people that um, they assume the, the word of man over the revelation of God. Amen. Friend, don't miss heaven. Don't miss heaven. I mean, do you know what? In France... There is a library. It's near the Louvre of science books. Now, listen to this, folks. We we, we got to move on. I didn't mean to hijack the show, Bert. But hey, this um, is this is important,
0: Alex. This is really answering more questions than the question uh, was asking. And go ahead, man.
1: Well, yeah, I write about this in, in my book, Stand Core Truth for an Unshakable Faith. But there is a library in France of science books no just known to be true at the time of publication and later shown to be utterly 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 false things like the three-toed horse which is not uh, at all true and that um there was the assumption once that in the the womb in utero we go through the stages of evolution and that was by a german atheist named Ernst Haeckel, now known to be utterly false. Uh, Babies um, developing in the womb do not have fish gills. They thought they did. All right, listen to this. A library of science books that are known to be completely false, and guess how much shelving? Twelve miles. Twelve miles of Mm. shelving Mm -hmm. of science books, now antiquated, and known to be false, and now nothing more than a historical curiosity. So, friend, do not miss heaven because you trusted the changing word of man over the eternal revelation of God our Savior.
0: I have a friend who was raised a scientist, raised in evolution, uh, and he started studying evolution, and he found that, to be inaccurate he found it to not be acceptable he found it not to be quote scientific and like Mm. your friend in Texas he became uh he he rejected that then he started looking at creation and he started looking at the possibility of creation and how even the different stratas of the earth could be answered by the flood and he became a creationist and then he became a believer But he started the journey by rejecting evolution because of the fallacies. It's reminded of me missionally of what's happening in Iran. There's more believers, uh, people coming to Christ in Iran right now than any country in the world. And you know one of the reasons why? Because they have rejected Islam. They found Islam to be not true. They found Islam to be uh, tyrannical they found Islam to be a, a falsehood and they're looking and they've rejected that and now they're looking for truth and they're turning to Christ and Amen. I don't know where you are in your life but if you found that there's no answers in appeal there's no answers in the bottom of a bottle there's no answers in the educational system I want to tell you the the truth of our origin and our purpose and our destiny is found in Jesus Christ, and we ask you to turn to Him today. Alex, uh, this question was it we we've been debating the question whether it was asked uh, asked correctly. I just want to say yes, you can trust the Bible. You can trust Amen. the Bible
1: in 2019, can't you? You can absolutely, and uh, so you know, there's creation, there's salvation. Um, believe in what God says about salvation, but you can also absolutely trust what his word says about uh, the origin of all things. Well, we're coming up on a break, but I want to get the question
0: in, and we can look at it on the other side, and it's about tithing. And this is real truth. It's not one of just somebody wondering. They're wanting to know. uh, Is it required in the New Testament? And according to Malachi, if you don't, are you cursed? for not tithing. Well, we're going to get into that. That's in Malachi chapter 3, verses 8 and 10, if you want to read that. And when we come back, Alex and I will be looking at that and seeing, you know, what what is that idea in the New Testament? It's so important because as a follower of Christ, we want to be obedient to him, and we want to follow him. This is Exploring the Word, and we're doing Fire Away Friday, and we'll be back right after the break.
1: Now, back to the Bible study, you're listening to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio.
0: It's about the cross,
1: it's about my sin, it's about how Jesus came to be born once so that we could be born again. It's about the stone.
0: Amen. It is about Jesus. It's about the message, the gospel of Jesus Christ. The question, we're, we're answering questions that were sent in at Word at word.afr.net, questions that Alex and I have, have had people to come and ask us that we feel like would be good for the uh, AFR uh, Exploring the Word audience to listen. And one of them was about this passage in Malachi chapter 3, verses 8 through 10. Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, In what way have you robbed you? In tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse. For you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, for there may be food in my house. And prove me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive. Now, Alex, the whole idea here is tithing required, and if it don't live up to it as a follower of Christ, you are cursed.
1: Uh, What say you, brother? Well, you know, um, let me say two things, and this has been said, this is not original with me, but a Christian under grace ought to at least do what uh, a Jew did under law. And, you know, uh, tithing—there was a—the rock band U2 several years ago had a song, and they pretty sarcastically uh, were critical of, you know, the church asking for money. And in a song, the singer from U2 said— my God is not short of cash, very sarcastically. Look, we don't tithe because God needs our money, but don't you think it sh- it's a heart issue and it shows ownership and it we're, we're acknowledging that God is the owner, not us. Um, we don't ever, in, in tithing, we don't give God, quote, our money. But I think tithing is acknowledgement that He is our source, uh, the Bible says it is God who gives power to get wealth. So um, if God gave you, you know, the health to get up out of bed and go to go to a job, and you could work, and you could use your talents and, and do a job and get a paycheck and put food on the table, my goodness, there's three dozen blessings wrapped up in that right there, isn't it? And isn't tithe a heart issue, an ownership issue, and a gratitude issue,
0: Bert? It is, and I, I, I can't imagine a believer not wanting to give. Now, in the New Testament, it's given, and, and what you do in quoting that individual about a Jew under the law and a follower of Christ under grace, uh, I, I do think ten percent is a standard. It is a measuring stick. Uh, A
1: starting point. It is
0: a starting point. I believe that. But I have met some people. I was on the air with Dan Celia, and he was talking to this lady that brought – she was a single mom uh, with children, not making it, barely getting by, and uh, said, if I give any of this, that means a bill will go unpaid or food will not be on the table, um, uh, you know. And Dan said, Well, I wanna just tell you something. Try this. Said when you go to the uh, gas tank and you buy ten dollars worth, you're gonna buy that. In place of buying the ten dollars worth, buy uh, you know, buy nine or nine fifty and save that and give that. God's gonna honor that. God can multiply that. He saw the lady ten um, two or three years later, and she was blessed beyond measure. That she had come and she found out, giving great brought great joy, as you said. But it also, she said, God, some way, miraculously, and again, I'm not name it and claim it, but she said, now I am up to ten percent. But said I, I could not. there's no way that I felt like I could without me saying, I'm robbed. I'm not paying my bill. I'm not doing this. She said, and I did without food, and I, I did fast in order to. To pay more, but she was blessed by it. Again, uh, I I would say the curse is not on you, but you miss some of the blessing. That's yeah. That's exactly. how I would say answer to the question. Tithing required? No, it's a starting place. It's a place that you, if you're not there yet, it ought to be a goal. Uh, and and I know <laughs> some folks that would say, no, you got to start there. I, I listen, Alex. Uh, you better be careful what you do in the in the New Testament concerning God's grace and his mercy toward any of that. I, but it is giving. I guarantee you. You, you, yeah, tithing is the starting place, but giving, brother, that is the New Testament thought of giving as the Lord has blessed you.
1: Well, and, and let me say this. Think about looking backward and looking forward. And um, this is coming from a guy that grew up on a farm. Um, you don't have a field and say, you know, I'm going to go out there, and in 90 days, we're going to harvest corn. You don't say that unless you sow some corn seeds, right? Now, we look backward, and we say, okay, I made uh, I made $100 at my job, therefore a tithe is $10, 10%, and that's true. There's tithes and offerings. And I do want to say this, you can't out-give God. It's been said, if you give to God with a spoon, he'll give back with a shovel. And that is true, honestly. Uh, And I've seen it, and I want to tell you, sometimes tithing is is painful, and it hurts. And you're thinking, Lord, how am I going to do this? Because, you know, if I kept 100% of my uh, uh, money—it's God's money—but let's say I kept 100% of the paycheck. Even then, it would be a a hard thing to pay the bills— Look, trust God and and pray and, you know, say, Lord, I believe, help thou my unbelief. Watch God bless and increase you and prosper you. Uh, so we look back and we say, okay, I made X, therefore I'm going to give 10% of that. But let's talk about offering and looking forward. If you want to harvest corn, you better sow some seed. You know, if, if you want a crop in three months, you're going to have to get out there and turn the ground and put some seed. Now, I've I heard a sermon illustration and uh, have talked to folks like this. Think about in developing nations, and they've got a, a sack of corn. They could feed it to their family and eat up the corn, or they could do something really risky. They could go bury that corn in the ground and hope that a crop comes, and they do. See, there's something about sowing offerings, and and seed uh, might bring vegetables, but you you give God offerings of your money, and He does give a crop. Bert, I mean, and he does. to to bury seed in the ground rather than just eat it up right now, that takes trust and prayer and waiting. But I've seen it, and and don't get me wrong. God's main objective for your life is that you're born again and that you know Jesus. Jesus didn't go to the cross just to enable you to to buy a fancy car. But I will say this. God does prosper his people so that they can be a blessing. And um, listen, I want God's people to be successful and uh, have their needs met so that we can invest more of ourselves in the Great Commission. And um, it's not about aggrandizing ourselves and just living some posh life. Um, You know, Paul said, I know how to be abased, and I know how to abound. Um, Folks, you're listening to two preachers, and listen, we've been blessed, and if you you can tell, I hadn't missed any meals. But Bert and I, we both know what it is to be scraping the bottom of the barrel. (laughs) And hey, when you and Jan were first starting out, Air and, sandwiches, and, you know what an air
0: sandwich is, don't you? Piece of uh-uh. bre- two pieces of bread with nothing in between. Oh and, wow! Uh, you know, it wasn't that bad, but it was close. But Bill Bright said, and uh, the great founder of you know Campus, Campus Crusade, Crusadia. he said, "It's not how much you give; it's how much you keep." And uh, I, I think that is that's there's some truth in that. How much you you keep and spend on yourself? But and, thank- and
1: I would encourage be a tither. Um, and and let me just say this, Bert, and and you can dive in here. Regarding your local church, um, support the church where you're fed and don't don't be a conditional tither, you know, well, I'll give if I like what the preacher said or something and and if I didn't like it, I'm gonna withhold. I, I don't know, this is just me, Bert, but I feel like we're supposed to tithe of the first fruits, in other words, you know, tithe off of the gross, you know, and give to your church, and then give offerings to good ministries. And AFA, I believe, is certainly a very, very worthy ministry to support. And you mentioned Bill Bright and you know Billy Graham and Franklin and Smirton's purse and Compassion. and um, uh, you know the Gideons. I mean, they're uh, endless amounts. Awesome? Amen. Well, we yeah,
0: just th- be a giver and start with a tithe and see what God does. And, but I, I think it's the blessing you miss, not the cursing you receive. Going back to the original question, it, it is the blessing that you miss out on, and I pray that you would not miss out on that blessing. Alex, we got time for another question. You got
1: one, brother? Yes. Somebody asked this, and this is really more of a personal question. How do I know that God hears my prayers? Amen.
0: How do I know? Well, let me see. If I were answering that real quickly, and I would say God said he would. Uh, The Bible says he does, but I think that does take some qualifications, Alex. Uh, Well, that's right. You remember (laughs) Bailey Smith? He was a great pastor, and he was president of Southern Baptist uh, Convention, and he, he made the comment about God not hearing the prayers of certain people if you're not in relationship with him. And, and the whole word is, here. Uh, yeah. is God Does God hear those words? Yes, he does. Does he respect and receive and honor those prayers? That is very conditional,
1: isn't it? Well, it is. And, and just like, you know, the children, let's say the children at the playground, you know, and one child calls out and says, Mama, I'm thirsty. Well, you know, the mama that's that child's parent is the one that's really obligated to bring the, the water to the thirsty child. You know, by virtue of being omniscient and knowing all things, omni means all, science means knowledge, God has all knowledge. So obviously, God knows the thoughts and purposes and words of every human being. So God, in a general sense, of course, hears every prayer. But uh, and, and let me just say if you're a Christian, be be encouraged. God does hear your prayers and God knows your heart. Um, He may answer instantaneously and He may answer incrementally over time. Uh so God hears our prayers. Um, I think, Bert, one way we might qualify this question is, why are my prayers not getting answered? For one thing, they may not be getting answered in the way that you want, and I think God has three answers to prayer, yes, no, and wait for something better, Yeah. and, and you've heard people say that. Yes. The other thing is, um, and this is where it really comes down to trust and growth. God's sovereign timetable may not be the same as ours, and and I we've had um, correspondence from listeners who said, "I really I wish I had a spouse." I've been praying, uh, you know, a young lady. I've been praying to meet a godly man, or a man says, "How can I meet a Christian woman?" And I've prayed, and it it may be that, um, you know, God's timetable is not the same as ours. It may be that we're asking things that are. Not part of his plan for our life. Now, a spouse, that that can be. He who findeth a wife finds a good thing. But maybe we're praying for, you know, something that is not necessarily evil, but it's not necessarily part of his plan. I've, I've talked to people who were wanting to move to a different part of the country and pursue a different job. And, you know, I, I think just over the journey, you're going to have to wait and trust God that he's got your your roadmap on track. Uh, But the other thing is that uh, it is possible in the life of a believer that there can be unconfessed sin, there can be attitudes or just perspectives that um, are are hindering our prayer life. 1 Peter 5, husbands, you know, love your wives as Christ loved the church, that your prayers be not hindered. And Bert, isn't it possible, even in the life of a born-again believer, that there are things in our life that God wants to deal with, and until we deal with them, our prayer life is not going to be as robust as it could be. Amen. Listen, part of prayer is confession. Um, Amen. It really is. And
0: and if we start just telling God um, what, what we're desiring and our petitions to God, uh, and then when we intercede for someone, That interceding for someone else. uh, There needs to be confession of, Lord, look into my heart and see if there be any evil way within me and show it to me. And you do that by praying. You do it by reading his word. You do it by being in church and worshiping with God's people. And you you get that, but also full of thanksgiving. Uh, If you haven't been thankful for what God has done in your past – what <laughs> I, I, it's kind of hypocritical. I'm just going to say it for me to. Oh God, I need this. I need this, and I've never gone back to thank Him for what He has done in my past, saving me, giving me uh, food, giving me uh, transportation, giving me job. I mean, Alex, our, our prayer should be confessional, and it should be filled with thanksgiving. It should be filled with petition for others, and then it comes. It also me. And what those do, they you change them up every once in a while. Sometimes the need is so desperate in your own life that you're just coming to Him uh, for for the petitions yeah. you have. Sometimes the need is for someone else' intercession. The four friends that brought the man who was crippled Mark, to Jesus. Two. Yes, uh, Jesus said because of their faith. And so, a lot of times, God's provision is in the people. If if the number of people two or three agree on any matter, uh, sometimes that's part of prayer
1: is asking others to pray with you, isn't it? Amen, amen. You know, God is not our server at a five star restaurant. You know, (laughs) I mean, really, he's our provider. But make worship and gratitude and intercession a part of your prayer life before we just rush in with our petitions. Why'd you say three things? God can say no, God can say yes,
0: but he said, man, you don't want it now. I got something better waiting on you. Hey, I've got,
1: I thank God for some of the unanswered prayers. I do as well.
0: Thank you for listening to Exploring the Word here on the American Family Radio Network. We appreciate you listening. We want you to tell someone else about this program, but more importantly, tell them about Jesus.